Okay, so we're starting a new study tonight. It's going to be in 1 John. I'm calling this study Shining Light on Authentic Christianity. Dale Carnegie once said, You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. When our Lord came to dwell among us on earth, he chose 12 men in whom he took a special interest. Uh, We call those men his disciples, uh, which is a word that means that they were his students. They followed along uh, with him and learned from him. And after he ascended into heaven, these disciples became known by a different name, and we call them apostles. The apostles are a group that were sent out to preach and to teach what they had seen and heard and learned from Jesus. John was one of those apostles, and so he's written the the Gospel of John. Uh, He wrote the the book of Revelation that we were studying on Sunday mornings, and then he wrote three letters, uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. So we're going to study 1 John starting tonight. So John had been one of the students of Jesus during his three years of ministry on earth, and at the time of the writing of this letter, John had become an older man. He was spiritually mature, he was a leader in the church, and he was a good, godly example. And it's always a blessing to spend time with someone who is an older saint, uh, someone who's been a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and and followed him for a long time. Uh, I personally have been blessed to have many such uh, spiritual and pastoral mentors, uh, and I hold them in high regard. One of those mentors you know very well is uh, is Kevin, my father-in-law, and he's taught me directly uh, by his example and his words. Uh, But he's also taught me indirectly as I learned how he raised his children through living life with with Chelsea. And so what I would like for you to do is I'd like for you to think of one or two mentors that uh, have been in your life, maybe some some, uh, mature Christians that you greatly respect, and think about what are some of their qualities. What are are some of the things that, that draws you to them that you want to learn from them? On your uh, on your handout, you can see there's a there's a place where you can write out a couple of names and their qualities. So if you have downloaded the handout, uh, which is available in the description below or uh, through the website, you can access that and uh, be able to in- input that information there. So John is writing from the city of Ephesus. Uh, he was now exercising apostolic authority and leadership over the churches of Asia Minor. Um, many of these members in these churches were people that he had taken an interest in teaching and uh, had become friends with, and he was teaching them what the Lord Jesus Christ had, had taught him. And so from John's wording, you get a sense that it's almost like a father writing to his children. He's writing to tell them how much he loves them, and he calls them the, his dear children. And so there's a great affection there that's taking place. John's writing this letter, or, or we call it an epistle, um, to these church members with the call to live in the light of authentic faith in Jesus Christ. As the last living apostle, John was facing these false teachings that had arisen in the church, and, and upon uh, his authority of one who had been a close disciple of Jesus, he's combating these false teachings by challenging the church to come back to the basics of Christianity. So let's jump in, 1 John chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, 
what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed, and we have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So the first thing, as we're getting in tonight, we're going to look at the idea of Christ and sin. And the fellowship, and there's just there's so much in this passage that we could get into. Uh, but what I really want to point out in this first section is the idea of Christ in the flesh. See, John was an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' ascension. And alongside the apostle Peter and and John's own own brother James, uh, he was one of the three most intimate disciples, one of the three closest friends that Jesus had while he was here on the earth. And so he begins this epistle by affirming the physical reality of Christ in the flesh. And the reason that he does this is it's a direct contrast to the teachings of the Gnostics. Greek philosophy had begun to invade the church and began teaching that that all the things that were physical were evil. If it was something that was physical, it was bad. And the things that were spirit were good. And so... Uh, For those coming from a Gnostic background, the idea that Jesus had been physically resurrected from the dead sounded absurd. Why Why would he come back to a physical body if he had obtained the good that they were so focused on trying to get to and becoming spirit? And so these Gnostics taught in various different forms uh, that Jesus was not completely human, and there's a ton of, of heresies that go along with that uh, that you can study on your on your own, or if you'd like more information about those, you can contact me. Um, but unfortunately, it's something that we're pretty familiar with in American evangelicalism. Because the idea that the physical world is evil and that the spirit has good has led many evangelicals to focus on the idea that when we die, we go to heaven and we dwell there for all of eternity. But that is not biblical teaching. It's Gnostic teaching. The the Bible tells us that when we die, we do go to dwell with the Lord. We're separated from our bodies. Our, Our spirit is separated from our bodies. We're rent into two. As we go, our bodies laid in the ground, and our spirit goes to dwell with the Lord in heaven. But we don't stay there. We don't spend all of eternity as a spirit. In fact, Scripture makes it clear that at the end of the days, when, when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom for uh, in reality, uh, in uh, that's not the way I want to put it, but, but in, in physicality, Uh, He's going to bring a new Jerusalem out of heaven. He's going to raise the dead to life. Uh, For those of us who've gone on before, um, he's going to bring the Spirit back into a a new body that he has created. He's going to bring those of us that are still alive and will be changed in an instant in the blink of an eye. And we'll have a new body that is uh, a fresh creation that is incorruptible, and immortal. And so our, our dead souls are going to return to our bodies, but our bodies will be changed. And, and so the physical is not 
evil, the physical is not bad, and the spirit's not inherently good. Uh, just like you can have evil spirits and good spirits, and, and evil bodies and bad bodies, uh, and good bodies, the same, it, it's not one or the other, it's, it's both. And so John was combating against this issue uh, because the, the Gnostics had taken it to the extreme. And, and while they claimed to believe in Jesus, their denial of his true nature uh, as the God-man demonstrated their genuine lack of salvation. Uh, that they were um, lacking a basic understanding of who Christ was and, and why that's important. And so John's questioning their salvation. How can you claim to be saved when you don't even know the Savior that you're claiming to be friends with, that you're claiming to have fellowship with? And so John strongly affirmed the historical reality of Jesus' humanity and the certainty of the gospel. And he knows this because he was there. He was an eyewitness. He was there to to physically uh, see Christ. He was there to hear the words and the breath of Christ as he said them. He was there to touch Jesus. He was there, so he knows. And this is the message that's been proclaimed to the church from the beginning. Notice, notice what John said. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have observed and touched with our own hands concerning the word of life, that is Jesus, that life was revealed and we've seen it and we testify to it, and then he goes on to say that, that he wants to share this and declare it to the church. The gospel message had not changed. Notice the stability of the gospel message. It was the same message, but the, the gospel does not change due to what the Gnostics believe. They can say that this is what it means, but that's not what it means. The, the meanings have stayed the same. But Christ... Uh, was indeed risen from the dead. The gospel does not change because of uh, of a worldly fad uh, or a a philosophical thinking, and uh, and so the Gnostics tried to make this problem. We we saw this again in the Enlightenment in the modern era with uh, with liberal theology and trying to make it more relevant uh, to to the people of the of the modern uh, era. And so we lost uh, a lot of the divinity of Christ in, with liberal theology, but we lost the humanity of Christ with Gnostic teaching. And so what John is saying is what he has seen, what he has heard, what he touched was still true then, and for us, it's still true for us today. Uh, he is a faithful witness for us. And so John was concerned about making sure that those that he taught had a correct understanding of the gospel because an incorrect understanding of the gospel creates a break in the fellowship between both uh, believer to believer, but ultimately the the person to God. And I, you notice I didn't use the word believer there because if you don't have a correct understanding of who Jesus is, then you can question whether you actually have a relationship with him. And so the only way to enjoy fellowship with God and fellowship with the church is through a correct theological understanding of the gospel. And so it's the job of church leaders, it's the job of parents, it's the job of anybody who is a uh, more spiritually mature uh, person in Christ, believer in Christ, uh, that uh, it's our job to share with those who are less spiritually mature 
And so we, we need to make sure that we're becoming a mentor. We're, we're seeking out, just like Christ did, a group that we can teach and train in what it means, uh, what the gospel means. Okay, so in doing so, the fellowship becomes a source of great joy for for them, yes. But ultimately, notice what John says, that he's sharing this because he wants to have his joy, their joy, may be complete. And so when we, when we have this, the, the fellowship of the gospel, the fellowship with one another, the fellowship with God, we have joy. So to, so to recap so far, the, the proclamation of the reality of the gospel produces a fellowship for us with an eternal life with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that fellowship in turn creates a, a joy for the believer. But notice what John continues to say. Let's read verse 5 through verse 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So John's saying, walk in the light. Walk in the light that Christ has given to us. John makes it clear that this message that he's proclaiming is not a message that he came up with. It's not one that comes from mankind. It's not something he made up. It's not something the disciples or the apostles got together and said, hey, let's teach this. But they're teaching the truth as they received it from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Um, And so this message comes to them from God the Father through the Son, and then they teach it in the power and the wisdom of the Spirit. And so even just in, in proclaiming the gospel, it's, it's a triune thing. It, we have to have God the Father initiating it, God the Son teaching us uh, through Him, and then we have to have the Spirit empowering us to learn. And, and so this message is not the message of men, but it is the message of God. Paul wrote in Galatians 1 and verse 12, saying, For I did not receive it, that is the gospel, from a human source, and was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. So John points to the nature of God. He says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so 